You're listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Paul Bhutan on the Calvary Brighton Podcast. All right, so let's just jump right into the pool. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, let's read through that, verses 1 through 17. It says, If you were, th- were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. And do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew nor circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let this peace of God rule in your hearts, which to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you right now. We thank you that your word is powerful and alive. We pray that your word would speak to each of us, God, that you would... um, draw us near to you, that you would fill us with your spirit and your spirit would speak to each of us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So it starts here in Colossians chapter chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, if then you are raised with Christ, it's kind of rhetorical. It actually means when it says since, right? It's taking for granted that you are. So since you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, right? So it says since you were raised with Christ. If you go back just a few verses in chapter 2, verse 12, it says that you were buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God. You were raised, you were raised, who raised him from the dead. 
So it says here that you were raised with Christ just as if, just as when you went down in baptism, you went into the water and you came up. It's as if you were raised with Christ into newness of life, right? It says that we should seek those things which are above where Christ is, right? Rather than seeking those things that are of the earth, he wants us, he, Paul, Paul the Apostle is t telling us to, to seek those things which are of above, and he'll explain that more, right? As he goes on in verse 2, it says to set your mind on the things above, not on the things of earth, right? I remember uh, in, in the 80s, I was at, at a church, and you know I was listening to the pastor teach, and not sure exactly what point he was trying to make, but he said, you know, some of you are too heavenly minded. You're no earthly good. And I thought about that and I go, that is such a false statement. That statement's from the pit of hell, right? He was basically, it was basically saying, hey, you can't be too godly. You have to be kind of worldly. And I thought, man, that, that's kind of a mugwump, right? A mugwump is someone who sits on the fence with their mug on one side and their wump on the other, right? God doesn't want us to be like that. He doesn't want us to be sitting on the fence half in the world and half in God. As it says here, he says that we should be heavenly minded, right? We should be so heavenly minded that we are earthly good. Right, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, what other things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, set your mind on these things. Right, those are the things that we should be setting our mind on every day. It says here in verse 3, it says, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God, right? So our old man, the person who we were before we became a Christian, that person's dead, right? It says in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that if anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. Right? So if we are died, we have died. Our old man has died. And it says your life is hidden with Christ. Right? Our, our life as a Christian is hidden with Christ. I think of, you know, a, a package or something, that a box where we put our life completely in and it's in completely enclosed, completely enveloped. That's what it's picturing here, that our life is hidden in Christ, right? Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And this life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave his life for me, right? He loved us, and he did that for us. And so our life should be hidden in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on to say is that when Christ, who is our life, 
right? So we've died to ourselves. Our lives are now alive in Christ. So when, we, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then all, you also will appear with him in glory, right? So one day, either we're going to be here on the earth, but one day if the Lord carries and we pass away here, we really didn't pass away, we just moved, right? We have a, we have a new home created for us in the heavens that Jesus said, hey, I'm going to prepare that place for you. So it says when he, when he, Jesus, who, who is our life, appears, we will appear with him. We're coming back with him. And if, we, and if he comes while we're still alive, then he'll come and catch us up and we'll go back to heaven with him, right? That is our focus. That's our mindset. That's what we set our minds upon. It says, therefore, right? Therefore, since you are, have died to sin, since your life is hidden with Christ, since Jesus, who is your life, therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Now, remember who Paul the Apostle is speaking to. He's speaking to Christians, right? And he's saying that we need to put to death the members, these things in our life. The first one he says is fornication. No, nope, I'm clear of that. Faithful to my wife, no messing around, right? I'm free from that. But if it means a little bit more than that, it's sexual immorality or pornography. If we're watching, if we're looking at pornography, the Bible tells us that if we're looking at it, it's as if we're doing it, right? If we're lusting in our hearts, it's just as if we're create, committing that same act, right? I think about some of the things that, that we watch, right? If we're watching movies that have sexual content in them, we're participating in that as well. Our minds are. Paul the Apostle says, man, you need to, you need to put that to death, right? Romans chapter 1, verse 32 says, not only those who do these things are worthy of God's judgment, but also those who approve of them. If we're watching it, we're approving it. The next thing it says here is uncleanness, uh, impure, impure thoughts, right? If we're having that, that's sin, even in our thought life. Shameful passion, right? So it says passion. Well, we could be passionate about serving God. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about shameful passion or lust, right? If whether it's lust of a sexual nature or whether it's lusting after riches or whatever that may be, whatever that thing is you're striving for instead of God, that's lust. Evil desire. Desiring evil, right? Having our minds or our actions striving after doing those things which we know are evil, we know that's sin. 
and covetousness. Kind of a kind of an old English word, but basically it's made it's made greed, greedy for money, where striving for riches. If we're putting that above God, then that's idolatry. We've set up an idol before God. But it says here that we should we need to put to death those things. We need to kick them to the curb. Right? I think about back in the in the war between the states and, and Britain when they were here, when Britain caught enemies, it was said that they give no quarter to the enemy. They didn't fix them up, they didn't bind their wounds, they didn't give them something to eat, they killed them. No quarter. That's what that's what it's saying here is we don't give any quarter to these things in our lives, right? The any of these things that he says, we should put these things to death. They should not be having any time in our lives. It says, because of this, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. These people who are not Christians, who are living lives like this, God's wrath is coming upon them. And, and he's saying here, Get these things out of your life. They should not be in your life whatsoever. In which you yourselves once walked in, right? When, I, when you're walking, you're going down a path, you're, you're, you're moving along. We used to walk in these before we were Christians. When we became Christians, when our life is hidden with him, we became a new person these things should not be part of our new life. Verse 8, it says, but now. You yourselves, right? Okay. You yourselves, but now, you are to put off these things. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Anger, right? Um, well, anger, we could do that. I remember, right, Jesus, he turned over tables. He was angry, right? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 says, be angry and do not sin. It says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Do not allow a place for the devil. Well, let's be honest. 99.9% .9 of the times we're getting angry, our flesh is involved in it, right? We're, we're angry about something, it's because we got offended or our toes got stepped on or whatever that might be, but, it's, but me is involved in that anger. Very rarely what I say being angry is righteous anger. It, it, it's sin. And it says we should put off these things. It's like taking off a garment, right? It says wrath. Wrath is kind of anger on steroids, right? The anger, and it, it moves past that to wrath. Now we're acting on it, right? We're, we're throwing stuff and we're yelling and screaming. And, and that's the wrath of Man. Well, it says, the Bible says, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. We're to put that thing off. Malice. 
it's kind of a it's kind of a difficult word, but basically malice is in, is the desire to intentionally cause pain. Right? So someone did something to us and man, we're gonna get them back, paybacks. We're intentional desire to cause someone pain for something that someone did to us, that's acting in malice. <clears throat> Blasphemy. Oh my gosh, I would never blaspheme God. We're Christians, I wouldn't do that, right? Oh my gosh, that, that would be like an unforgivable sin. I wouldn't do that. But you know what? Sometimes in our lives, by the way we act, we're blaspheming God. We're, we're treating God or we're, we are showing a lack of reverence to God. And we're, we're blaspheming his name. We should not be doing that. We should be acting in such a way that we're not being irreverent towards God. Filthy language out of your mouth. Well, that doesn't need a whole lot of definition, right? If you're a potty mouth, you need to, you need to get that thing washed, right? That kind of language, well, we don't use that language here in church. We keep it checked, we keep it in the back pocket. But man, have someone cut us off or, or wind us up and we're flipping that thing out, so to speak, right? We're using that language. God, it says here, man, that we should put those things off. Filthy language should not be coming out of our mouth. God's spirit lives inside of us, right? It says here, don't lie to one another. Speak the truth to one another in love. Well, I'm going to speak the truth, but I'm going to use a, I'm going to mix a little malice in that, right? I'm telling you the truth, but boy, it's going to be painful. That's not right. It says we need to speak the truth in love. We have to have a spirit of love when we're, when we're speaking the truth to somebody. It says here, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, right? It's like this raggedy old red shirt I'm wearing, right? It's got holes in it. It's tattered and torn. These are old things. These are the old things we clothe ourselves in, right? But this is my favorite shirt. I don't want to get rid of this. It's comfortable. I wear it every single day. When I get up in the morning, I sit at my desk. The first thing I do is I put my shirt on. And the last thing I do when I, get, I go to bed, I hang the shirt on the back of my chair, and it's ready for the next day. It's a little smelly. Right? I, every once in a while, I say, where's my red shirt? And it's in the wash. Let's say, no, I'm waiting by the dryer, waiting for that thing to come out so I can put it back on. You know, and uh, a couple of times my wife says, oh, man, you got a big hole in it. Let me put a patch on it. No, you can't put a patch on this shirt. It will feel different. That's the same way with our old man. You can't put a patch on our old man. You can't do that. A patch doesn't work. 
the only thing it works is you have to take that thing off and you have to kick it to the curb. You have to throw it away. That's what God wants us to do with our old man. It says here that we should take that off, right? It says that we should remove that thing from us. It's not something we should wear anymore. It says, and you have, verse 10, it says you have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Like Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says that, that don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Right? Your old self is dead. We are to be like Jesus. It's, it's just like this new shirt that I put on. Right? This new shirt, it's, it's, it's new and it's clean. There's no holes in it. It's still comfortable, right? My new shirt. This is what uh, we should be with Christ, right? This new identity that we're putting on is like the cl new clothes that we put on. Romans 13, 14 says to put on the Lord Jesus and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its lust. No provision. That old man is gone. We're not making any opportunity for that old man and those sinful things, those things that we were told to take off to become part of our lives. We're getting rid of them. We're pushing them away. When those opportunities for that old man to pop up, we're talk to the hand, right? We have a new identity in Christ. It says in verse 11, it says, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, nor circumcised or uncircumcised, that's Jew or Gentile, barbarian, Scythian, slave or three, free, but Christ is all and in all. We are all the same in Jesus, every one of us. We have equal access, equal opportunity, equal filling of God's Holy Spirit in our lives. We have full benefits of being a child of God. Therefore, because you're a new person in Jesus, because you have clothed yourself with a new man, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. I like the New, New Living Translation in this. It says, as elect of God, chosen. Do you realize that all you who are Christians, God has chosen you. He has specifically picked you out it would be like as going to an orphanage and saying, I want him or her to be my child. God has specifically picked you, chosen you to be his. God has picked us. 
He's chosen us, he says, and that we're holy. God has, in God's sight, we are holy. We are vessels fit for the master's use. God's created us to be holy. We need to act like someone who is holy and set apart for God. Even more important than that, it says we're beloved. We are dearly loved by God. Every single one of you realize that God didn't say, oh man, I really don't like them, but I got to choose them. That's not it. God loves you dearly. He sent his son to die specifically for you because of his great love for you. He loves you. If God had a refrigerator, your pictures would be on it, right? He, he wake up in the morning and love to see the, your, your picture and your face. He loves you. He loves you dearly. It says here that we're to put on, right? So think of it as clothing yourselves in the morning. Like when you get dressed in the morning, clothe yourself with these things. Tender-hearted mercy, right? Not just mercy, right? Mercy, you think of a judge and, okay, you deserve punishment, but I'm not giving you punishment. I'm going to give you mercy. It's not like that. What we should be giving is tender-hearted mercy. Our hearts, out of, out, of, out of tender, loving care, we're giving mercy to others. We're filling them with God's love, mercifully, right? We're, we're going out of our way to show mercy and kindness to another. And that's the next thing on here, is kindness, right? I, it, it was, um, it's amazing how a little bit of kindness can, can change a person's day, a change a person's life, right? I, <laughs> yesterday, I was uh, in the, uh, I was in King Supers and I was looking, I was in the card section. And um, as I was looking, I noticed this, this little old man. He's probably 5'4, kind of had a bald head. I don't know what that looks like other than that. <laughs> Great, big old gray beard. And I could tell he was just a little poor and, you know, he was missing some teeth and that sort of thing. And, I walked by him and just felt prompting the Lord. I, I went over to him, I put my hand on his shoulder and I said, shouldn't you be somewhere else? Because he looked exactly like Santa Claus. <laughs> and without missing a beat, he said, no, it's a little bit too early for that. <laughs> and I said, okay, well, I'm just making sure. And I said, hey, I'm still working on my Santa beard. And to see the, the light in his eyes and, and, you know, the joy in his heart just by pouring a little bit of kindness, by taking that, that little instant, that prompting by God and following through with it. Kindness. Uh, humility. The Bible says that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Man, 
tell you what, but I wouldn't want to be someone who God's pushing up against, right? Resisting. I think, you know, when, when we're resisting something, we're pushing back. God's pushing back on those people who are prideful. God's pushing back on us when we're prideful, but gives grace to the humble. It's like getting to that intersection at the same time someone else and you let them go. You yield your way. You give opportunity without having to be first, having it be about me. Being a Christian really is not about me. Remember, I'm dead. It's not about me. It's about Jesus and serving others and showing others that love. Gentleness. We should be putting that on. A gentle spirit, not harsh, not gruff, right? Not crabby, but we should have a gentle spirit about us, right? When, when we're interacting with people here, right, in, in the world, that's something that they can visibly see. And they can see that working. They can see God in us when we're gentle, when we're kind, when we're patient, not gritting your teeth and burying it patient, but, but adding kindness and love. Not being mean and patient, but being kind. Realize, you know what? We get impatient when we, real, when we think that time is about us. This is my time. You're stepping on my time. And I'm not going to be patient. When we realize, hey, wait a second. This is God's time. allows us more patience. It says, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you also must do. The New Living Translation says, making allowances for other, other people's faults, for others' faults. Right? We all have faults. We all have what I term short buses, right? Things that are, are, are either irritating or things that, you know, we have trouble getting over. Maybe there's certain things. We need to make allowances for those things, right? In our, in our interactions with people, in our, in our interactions with our family members, interactions with our spouses, we need to make allowances for other people's faults. It says here in the, New, in the New Living Translation, then forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. You must also forgive others. Right? Every one of us, I'm sure, has been offended. And getting offended or has been offended within the last couple of days, it says here that we must forgive. Wow, right? That should be our reaction. That should, that's, as a new person in Christ, that should be our reaction. When someone offends us, instead of reacting with offense back, our reaction should be, oh man, I need to forgive them. Right? Like Jesus said and Stephen said, forgive them, Father, they don't know what they're doing. Maybe they even do. But it doesn't matter. We need to forgive them. 
That should be our response to an offense. But above all, but above all of these things, put on love. Think of it as an overcoat, right? It's cold outside. You're putting over that overcoat. You're putting on that jacket, that outer garment. It says to put on love, to be clothed with love, which is the bond of perfection. It, it binds us together in perfect harmony. Love, right? What does it say? They'll know we are Christians by our love for one another. Best example of being someone who follows after Christ is that they love one another, right? I, sometimes I need a little help with that. And it's kind of part of the reason why I wear this cross all the time is one, other people will say, oh, he's a Christian. But two, it tells me, oh, I'm a Christian. <laughs> I've got to make sure I am representing him right, right? And, and being someone who is pouring love on other people. It binds us together in perfect harmony. And it says here in verse 15, it says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. God's peace to rule in our hearts, right? I feel like a king who is ruling over a kingdom. God's peace should rule in our hearts. Not anxiety, not stress, not worry, but God's peace, right? Do we trust him? Does God come through for us every single time? That's rhetorical because the answer is yes, right? Okay, I'm going to let God's peace rule in my heart, knowing that, okay, God's got this. He's got me. He's got the circumstances. No matter what they are, the outcome is completely God. So I'm just going to let that peace rule in my heart. Which also you were called in one body. God wants us to be unified, right? Think about all those petty little things that, we, that are fallen in here that divide us. Cast them aside. God wants us to be unified. Right? That's what it says. I think it's in Psalm 118 where it says how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. In unity. And it says, and be thankful. Be thankful to God. As God comes through, man, every day, thank you, God, for what you're going to do today. Thank you, God, for the home and for providing. And at the end of the day, man, thank you, God, I got through the day. It was kind of tough, but I got through it. Thank you. Having a thankful heart to God. That's part of us being a new person in Jesus. And it says here in verse 16, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Ah. This is the word of Christ. This is God's word. It's to dwell in us richly. It's two things there. One is dwelling. Right? When I think of that dwelling, it is someone who's taken residence. 
Let God's word take residence in your heart, right? Not, that means that not only we read it, but we apply it. We let it dwell. We let it dig in like the gophers in our backyard, right? It's there. It seems permanently. We need to have that be, be able to have God just dig in and dwell in our hearts richly. Not poorly, but richly. Be in God's word every single day. Spend time with him. Spend time learning about him, growing in the knowledge and the grace of him. Have him dwell. That's, that's what the Bible says. It says, how can a young man cleanse his ways? By heeding God's word, right? How can, a, how can you keep sin from ruining your life? How can it is by hiding God's word in your heart. That's a benefit of this. It allows us to become a new person. It says teaching one another. I said, you know what? It doesn't have to be someone here on Sunday morning behind a pulpit teaching you. As you're in God's word and you are fellowshipping with, with one another, right? We do Bible studies here during the week. And it's not one person standing here doing Bible studies. Everybody studied God's word and, man, we're teaching each other, right? I learn more from hearing other people teach and their insights because they're learning about God and God's Holy Spirit dwells in you and giving you the ability to teach others. Right? It says here, also, I, I just want to point out, is to teach you in all wisdom. Right? God's word. What does it say? If any man lacks wisdom, to ask of God who gives liberally. Right? God gives wisdom liberally. He gives wise counsel liberally. We just have to seek it out. It says, and admonishing one another. Admonishing is not reprimanding. Admonishing is more correcting in a gentle manner. Right? So we, we all kind of, time from time, we get a little off track. Right? And that's part of what we do as Christians. We help guide people back onto the right path. Admonishing one another. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, right? It's more than just going to appear singing as we worship God. We're getting encouraged and we're getting strengthened. Actually, sometimes we're even getting taught through the worship. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And I, I, I feel like as we put on the new man, God allows us to have grace in our hearts, grace for ourselves. Right? Sometimes we stumble. Sometimes we're not perfect in our new man. It allows us to have grace for ourselves and grace for others as well. Right? As we experience the grace of God in our lives, it allows us to have that grace for others too. And in everything you do, not in some things, but in everything you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. Everything we do in word, right? Those are the things that we say, the things that come out of our mouth. 
doing that in the name of the Lord Jesus. The things that we do, our actions, should be in the name of the Lord Jesus. Realize the Bible tells us we're ambassadors for Jesus. Right? What's an ambassador, right? So an ambassador is someone that the king or a president sends out to other countries to represent that country or that kingdom. Every one of you, God has knighted you, anointed you, however you want to think about it, as ambassadors for Jesus. Oh my gosh, what an honor. He has given you that honor to be an ambassador. With great privilege comes great responsibility, which means we also have to be serious about our relationship with God and how we represent him. God wants us to represent him correctly. So God has given us, it says in the Bible that, that God works in us to will and to do according to his good pleasure. All he wants us to do is surrender to him. He will work out, even if we're, we say, okay, God, I surrender to you. I'm still having struggle with this, but I'm going to allow you. God works it to will, to want to do it. And he also to do, he also accomplishes it. It accomplishes that in your life as well. So this new man, this new person, this new garment that we put on, God is going to work in you to be victorious in it. All he wants you to do is to just put it on. Right? Thanks for listening to the Calvary Brighton Podcast. To find out more about our ministry in Brighton, Colorado, go to calvarychapelbrighton.com.